And a good day to you. This is Pastor Mark Whelan with Touch of God. We are continuing on this week, talking about the importance of knowing the Lord, knowing God the Father and His Son Jesus, and keeping an eye to make sure our focus remains on Him and that sin and darkness doesn't take root in our hearts. To recap the last few verses that we ended on last week, we discussed the book of 1 John, and we are going to recap chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. Verse 5, in the Amplified Classic Edition, it says, And this is the message, the message of promise, which we have heard from him, and now are reporting to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. No, not in any way. Now, this is the book of First John, so it's John writing this. Let's read on. Verse 6. So if we say we are partakers together and enjoy fellowship with him, when we live and move and are walking about in darkness, we are both speaking falsely and do not live and practice the truth which the gospel presents. Verse 7, but if we really are living and walking in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses, removes us from all sin and guilt, keeps us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. So you see from verse 7, that it's important to live and walk in the light. Well, what is the light? Who is the light? The light is God. It's the Father and the Son. They are the light. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he also said that he is the light. John is saying he is the light that came into the world. So he himself is the light. And then Jesus told his disciples later on, let your light so shine upon men. Because now they knew the truth, and God had given them the ability to be witnesses of Jesus to the glory of God the Father. So in verse 7, it's important to really see and contemplate and meditate on the fact that we need to decide to live and walk in the light. That means walk according to the commandments and the precepts of the Lord. Do the two great commandments, like we said last week, to love the Lord thy God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That means helping your neighbor. So it means loving God. Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep. In order to love the Lord thy God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, one example of doing that is to teach the gospel, preach the gospel, Feed the Lord's sheep with truth. Help them when necessary. Provide what you have to them when necessary. And that is also satisfying loving thy neighbor as thyself. So it's all interconnected. That is an example of walking in the light. If you are loving the Lord, if you are worshiping him, you're seeking him, but you're striving to stay on that narrow path with the Lord Jesus and not straying to the left or the right, venturing into darkness, then you don't have to be concerned about the darkness. You don't have to be concerned about sin. At the end of the day, your conscience needs to be one 
of righteousness and not unrighteousness. So verse 7, But if we really are living and walking in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses, removes us from all sin and guilt, keeps us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. There is always temptations around. The devil is always trying to ensnare you in sin. But he has no power to force sin upon you. He only has the ability to suggest and tempt you. And you have the ability to say yes or no. And based on that choice, you are either walking according to the Spirit or walking according to the flesh. You have a choice every moment that you get tempted. Do you want to turn away or do you want to take part? If you are turning away, you are living and walking in the light, according to verse 7. Now, in the event that you slip into some sin and you partake of things which are not good for you, which are unrighteous, then you need to immediately repent. You need to immediately turn back to the Lord and say, Lord, please forgive me. Please, I receive the cleansing from you so that I am cleansed from the sin that I just partook. And I thank you, Lord, for removing me from all sin and guilt. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude and lead ourselves astray, and the truth which the gospel presents is not in us, does not dwell in our hearts. This is the realization that we can never stay clean 100% every second of the day. If we slip into sin, you must not persecute yourself. You must not spiral into self-pity. That is a spirit of perfection. You cannot achieve perfection. Only Jesus achieved perfection. But you must try your best to be holy as he is holy. When we slip, we have an advocate, Jesus. And verse 9 says, If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins, dismiss our lawlessness, and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everything not in conformity to his will in purpose, thought, and action. Now, there is also freedom in this verse for you today. If you feel like you're continually falling into this ditch where you can't get free from this particular sin, there's this one sin that seems to ensnare you all too often. I want to tell you two things. First is that this verse shows that the Lord continuously cleanses us from all unrighteousness if we confess the sins. Now, that does not mean that we should continue the sin because he does that. We should not abuse the grace of God. The grace of God does not give us permission to continually sin and then say, well, God will take care of the sin. He will wash it away. God's grace is the ability for you to say no to that sin. God's grace is his unmerited favor upon your life, and he's there to help you stay away from sin by giving you the strength and the ability to say no to it. He provides his power and encouragement to you to steer clear of that sin. The other thing I wanted to tell you is that you do have the ability to say no to every single temptation that comes your way. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says that your free will, your will has the ability to say no to a temptation and immediately seek the Lord for strength 
and continue to walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Let's move on in verse 10. It says, If we say, claim, we have not sinned, we contradict his word and make him out to be false and a liar, and his word is not in us, the divine message of the gospel is not in our hearts. So this is key today that you do not go to the Lord trying to pretend that you are perfect because he can see right through everything. God knows everything. It is far better to declare what you know that you've done wrong to the Lord, declare to him, just be open with him, be honest with him, because he already knows the truth, but he wants you to speak to him, to have this relationship with him, to be honest with him. Because otherwise, it will not be an honest relationship if you're always keeping something from the Lord. He already knew you would commit these sins before he created you, before he even created the foundation of the earth. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows all things, and his eyes see everything. So far better to just come clean and let him cleanse you once you confess those sins. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I write you these things so that you may not violate God's law and sin. What things? Well, John is saying what I just spoke to you. In other words, the verses from the previous chapter that we just read. Verse 1 continues, But if anyone should sin, we have an advocate, one who will intercede for us with the Father. It is Jesus Christ, the all-righteous, upright, just, who conforms to the Father's will in every purpose, thought, and action. And he, that same Jesus himself, is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours alone, but also for the sins of the whole world. And this is how we may discern daily by experience that we are coming to know him, to perceive, recognize, understand, and become better acquainted with him. If we keep, bear in mind, observe, practice his teachings, precepts, and commandments. So if you want to know how well you are doing in coming to know the Lord, the answer is whether or not you are keeping, bearing in mind, observing, and practicing his teachings, his precepts, his commandments. Verse 4, whoever says, I know him, I perceive, recognize, understand, and am acquainted with him, but fails to keep and obey his commandments and teachings, is a liar, and the truth of the gospel is not in him. So there may be people that believe they are born again, They are saying that they know Jesus, or they know the Father, but they do not pray for the sick. They don't lead people to Christ. They don't forgive their brother. Well, according to this verse, verse 4, in 1 John chapter 2, that person is a liar, and the truth of the gospel is not in them. So how do we make sure if we thought we were getting to know the Lord, but yet we are not praying for people, we're not doing the Lord's what the Lord told us to do in his great commission in Mark chapter 16 and Matthew 28, how do we make sure we correct that? All we have to do is begin to do what the Lord told us, to feed his sheep, to pray for the sick. Yes, we have to make sure that we worship the Lord, spend time with him. It's in the secret place. That is key as the first and foremost thing. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we must seek the Lord first But secondly, we must obey what he told us to do. And when we obey those things, 
when we give unto others, when they ask us, when we do righteous deeds, helping someone in need, praying for them if they're sick, believing by faith that they will be healed, casting out demons out of a person, winning the lost to the Lord. We will no longer be a liar, and the truth will be in us, the truth of the gospel will be in us when we not only have a relationship with the Lord, but we do what he told us to do as his children, as his sons. Verse 5, But he who keeps treasures his word, who bears in mind his precepts, who observes his message in its entirety, truly in him has the love of and for God been perfected, completed, reached maturity. By this we may perceive, know, recognize, and be sure that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought as a personal debt to walk and conduct himself in the same way in which he, Jesus, walked and conducted himself. So if we say that we know the Lord, we're abiding in him, remember John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. Remember that he's saying in that chapter that we need to abide in him. A branch has to abide in the vine as a son has to abide in the Lord Jesus. If we say that we're doing that, then we ought to also not just say that, but actually conduct ourselves and walk in the same manner that Jesus walked and conducted himself. And how did he do that? He met the needs of those who desperately needed help, who needed to be delivered. He told people, the kingdom of heaven has come nigh upon you. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He laid hands on the sick, and they recovered. So verse 7, John continues to write, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the message which you have heard, the doctrine of salvation through Christ. Verse 8, Yet I am writing you a new commandment which is true, is realized in him and in you because the darkness, moral blindness, is clearing away and the true light, the revelation of God in Christ, is already shining. Verse 9, Whoever says he is in the light and yet hates his brother, Christian, born again, child of God his father, is in darkness even until now. So here in the Amplified Classic Edition, it's pointing out that the word brother doesn't mean anyone on the earth. It means those specific individuals that are born again. So in other words, if you and I are saying we're born again, we're in the light, but yet we hate another born again believer, male or female, that means we are still in darkness even until now. And that shows you the power of the love of Christ in us once we become born again. It should be difficult to hate another Christian, because the love of God in us loves our neighbor, because the love of God in us loves our brother. Verse 10, whoever loves his brother, believer, abides, lives in the light, and in it or in him there is no occasion for stumbling or cause for error or sin. So if you want to be out of error or sin, continue to love those around you whether they are believers or non-believers. Love people with the love of Christ. Be focused on Jesus. Seek him first. Do what he said. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
Love the Lord thy God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Seek the Lord in the secret place. Continue reading his word. Soak up the word. Meditate and contemplate it. Have this relationship with the Lord. And when you become so preoccupied with these things, as you go out and you lay hands on the sick and you casting out demons, raising the dead, preaching the gospel, and having fellowship with one another, sin and error will have no time to creep in because you will be so focused on the things of the Lord and the fact that you are focusing in his word, you are seeking him, you are absorbing his word, you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind by doing that, by reading his word. You're consuming that which is the word of God, which is alive and active, and therefore it pushes out the darkness. It keeps the darkness at bay. It keeps the darkness outside of the perimeter of your daily life. Verse 11, but he who hates, detests, despises his brother in Christ is in darkness and walking, living in the dark. He is straying and does not perceive or know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So there are people on the earth today who say they know the Lord but yet they are walking with these issues. They're walking in darkness. And they are deceiving themselves because they believe they're going to heaven and they just have one or two issues they're dealing with, but they think their salvation is secure. But yet the darkness has blinded their eyes, so they are not loving the Lord with their heart, soul, mind, and strength because they don't really spend any time with the Lord. If they were, they wouldn't have these issues. So there's proof there they're not spending enough time or they're not spending any time with the Lord. They're not doing what he told them to do. And so the darkness continues to blind them. And we know from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that the devil is the one who blinds the unbelievers to try to prevent them from finding out the truth. Verse 12, I am writing to you, little children, because for his name's sake, your sins are forgiven pardoned through his name and on account of confessing his name. This is a lot to rejoice about today. Amen. I am writing to you fathers in verse 13, because you have come to know, recognize, be aware of, and understand him who has existed from the beginning. I am writing to you young men because you have been victorious over the wicked one. I write to you boys, lads, because you have come to know, recognize, and be aware of the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have come to know, recognize, be conscious of, and understand him who has existed from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and vigorous, and the word of God is always abiding in you, in your hearts, and you have been victorious over the wicked one. Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. So there is your litmus test, your barometer today. If you're still loving the things of the world, you have to accept that the love for the Father is not in you. And that's a sharp thing to say if you thought you had the love of the Father in you. You cannot serve two masters. You cannot love two masters. You're loving one or the other. You're either loving the devil or you're loving God. You cannot do both. You're deceiving yourself. And yes, the temptations 
are strong sometimes, but you still have the ability to stay away from partaking in them and seeking the Lord, continuing to walk in the Lord, staying away from error and sin by preoccupying yourself and leading a life that is just like the way Jesus walked on the earth. It doesn't make you Jesus, but the Lord wants you to walk like him. As he is, so are we in this world, according to the word. Verse 15. Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, craving for sensual gratification, and the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things, these do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. So you don't want to be feeding and taking part in things that are coming from someone else, which would be the world, which would be the devil, sowing his temptations through other people, through things for you to consume, contemplate, and meditate on. Those are the things that keep you in darkness and keep you away from God, that keep the the love of the Father outside of your heart. You have to seek the Lord. He will keep you cleansed if you admit you're a sinner, if you confess those sins. He will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He will redeem your spirit, soul, and body When you commit your life to him and say, Jesus, I confess you on my Lord. If you have backslidden, if you went to the other side of the fence for a period of time, if you are a prodigal son or daughter, the father stands at the door and he sees you coming. If you decide to turn and come back to him, he will run and meet you with open arms. That's the love of the Father, and the love of the Father will be restored in your heart. Just confess your sins. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says that if you do that, God is faithful to forgive your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. There is no guilt or condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus and who are walking according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. So when you come back to the Lord, you are in Christ and you are seeking the Lord's forgiveness for what you did while you were away from him. And he immediately forgives. He immediately cleanses you of all unrighteousness. And you carry on, not looking behind you, but looking to Jesus, looking to the Father, not trying to pay for your own sin, which is impossible but receiving the forgiveness and moving on because the labors are few in this harvest that we're in. And we need you. We need you back on the team so that you can help preach this gospel to the ends of the earth, which is what Jesus told us, commanded his disciples, and therefore us, to do. We will continue this teaching next week as we will continue on from verse 17 in First John chapter 2. If you'd like to partner with us, our website is tog.world. That's touchofgod.world. You can also leave a prayer request, and we will be more than happy to pray for you, and we will call you if you'd like us to do that. Otherwise, until next week, you have a blessed week. Amen.